Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. Today we'll be listening to a message from Pastor John Parker. If you're singing that, you're agreeing in your spirit that freedom's also in this place. If you're singing that, you're singing that deliverance is also in this place. If you're singing that, you're singing that healing is also in this place because that's who he is. That's who he is. So how dare us be in the same room as all those things and not glean from it today? Lord, I pray that's our prayer, God, that that you would be present and we would glean from the fullness of you, God, that we would get off of our program of how we scheduled our Western religion, God, and this morning we would shake it up in our hearts and say, if you're here, I don't want to be anywhere else. If you're here, help my mind not to wander. Help my heart to be connected here. If you're here, I want the fullness that you bring, Jesus. Or I don't want anything else. So God, in a room of this size, God, we know there are needs to be met. We know there are tangible needs to be met. And God, we don't want to keep this as a lighty and airy moment without you actually drilling down to the actual needs that are represented in this room. For God, you hear us. You hear your sons and daughters. You hear the cries of your people, God. And you're a very present help. Regardless of where we stand this morning, you're a very present help in time of trouble. And so, God, we just we anchor in that we anchor there, Lord God, and we just we believe the words that you're here. And because you're here, we're going to be all right. Look to your neighbor and say, we're going to be all right. Come on, look to someone else and say, we're going to be all right. As you're having your seat, that's a great place to just encourage ourselves this morning that we're going to be all right. I think sometimes I have to even encourage myself to say, you know what, JP, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Hmm. Hmm. Man. Well, I was blessed by that time. Were you guys blessed? Y'all, we really can't take for granted that God meets us here every single week in fresh ways and new ways that he meets us. Amen. And as I was just there I was watching Ashley I was watching the Lord use Ashley in that moment and I couldn't help but think of how there's a natural overflow that happens in our house I'd love to say it's because of me but it's it's really Jesus and um how it happens with Ashley where there are certain things that Kelly sees Ashley do and because of Ashley's obedience in moments like these there'll be moments where people like you and years from now will be blessed by Kelly's impression and I just wonder if we could really grab a hold of who's looking at our example. Who in the next generation is looking at us and saying, what, 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 what about this God? What about the Holy Spirit? How, how did I see mama pray? How did I see dad pray? How did I see them travail? How did I see them work through hard things? 
And how do I see them trust God in the midst of it? Amen. This morning, I really want to set something up about a season of rest um, and a season of restraint. Say rest and restraint. Now, 2020, 2021, so far, we could say that both of those things could be present. But some of us see more of restraint than we see rest. Is Michael in the building? Yeah, Michael's back there. Um, Michael, in the last year or so, he's been talking to me about cooking. And you you guys that follow Michael, you see that he's always posting his perfectly cooked brisket on social media. It's perfect. He doesn't doesn't post the bad ones. (laughs) Of course, because there are no bad ones. He posts all the perfect ones where, the, where the, he cuts the meat and there's just the right amount of pink around the edges and everything is just right. But me, I'm learning. And because I'm learning, my briskets don't look the way his briskets look. But there was one thing that Michael said one time, and he said, well, JP, how long are you waiting until you cut into it? And I said, man, immediately. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's done. I'm cutting into it. I'm ready to eat it or show it off or whatever. He's like, well, I think you're missing something. He said, because you actually have to let meat rest. And I was like, that will doggone preach. (laughs) Tell me more. (laughs) He said, no, you got to understand that meat still cooks even after it's pulled. And so you want to let it rest for at least about 10 or so minutes before you cut it. Because then you can keep all of the juices and all the goodness, all that stuff. I said, oh, Okay. And so God, st- God spoke to me through that really trivial story uh, <laughs> that sometimes what God is doing in us requires rest. That what God is doing, what God is doing on the inside of you, the churning, the heat point, you know, like some of us feel like God really turned the heat up in this last season. Like, God, you really are trying me like this life. All these things are trying me. It's tough. It's tough. But I want to encourage you that as soon as it looks done, just give it a second. As soon as the misery or whatever the the big thing that you're up against, as soon as you feel like it has subsided, give it a second, invite God there, and sit with him a while in it. A lot of us face disappointments in a season, and and it's easy to say, okay, I'm so glad that that feeling of of shame, that feeling of uh, abandonment, that feeling of whatever it was, I'm so glad that I've got a reprieve from it. Now I just want to be good, so let me look at this. No, 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 no. Sit there a while and invite God to cure it. He can heal a wound, but that's not exactly the curing process. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like heat will close a wound up. If you wanna, if you want to burn your flesh and you have a wound, apply some heat. It will, it will sear it. But salt can cure it. We're called to be the salt and light of the world. Amen. And I want to speak to some people on some very real, real levels as well as go deep into some things that I feel like the God, that God is showing me in relation to the church at large right now. And in the season that we're in, because if we're not careful, we could curse a great season that we're in. And I, what I want to show you is several times in the Bible where God causes a people, causes an entire land to stop and rest. 
could it be that God, he already understood that if he gave us some prophetic word or uh, some great sermon months ago, or um, I even think about staff, uh, staff meetings and things several years ago, uh, Cheryl would be talking about Sabbath, Sabbath, Sabbath. I felt like that was a season of talking about Sabbath, but I don't know if I did anything with it. Um, and so could it be that God knows how we operate, that he will cause some things to kind of trick us into a Sabbath? I.e., pandemic, <laughs> i.e. a quarantine, <laughs> and we're kicking and screaming, fighting our whole way <laughs> to it, <laughs> saying, God, but come on now, like, this is our rights, and we, we, don't, we don't have to be shut down, all this stuff, and could it be that God just wanted a season where he could cure you, where he could heal, where you could just assess with honesty how you're doing. Amen? Let's look at Exodus 23. Exodus 23, starting at verse 10. I hope I didn't make y'all too hungry talking about brisket as the first thing. But just, just hang on, please. But Exodus, Exodus 23 Starting at verse 10, it says, For six years you shall sow your land and gather its yield. But the seventh year you shall let it rest and lie fallow, that the poor of your people may eat what they leave the beasts of the fields may eat. You shall do, you shall do this likewise with your vineyard and with your olive orchards. God has a plan when he's sitting there telling his people to rest. Amen? Now, if I could, just for the next 10 to 15 minutes of your time, try to present to you that this last season of your life that we have lived through this last year, can y'all believe that? We've been, we've been in this type of season for a year where the church has either been not operating as usual or, you know, mass mandates and all these different things. It's been a year. Could it be that God will cause different things to happen so that he can actually get it ear of his people. Amen? I, I, I want to say this because I'm coming up against a lot of thoughts that are even are, they're even endorsed in church spaces where it's like, well, you know, this is persecution and um, we got to stand up and ah, I hear it. But I, it doesn't read well or age well when I look to my Asian brother or or, or Christian around the world who's literally getting beheaded and saying that what we're doing with the mask is persecution. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't sit the same. But I know you got a friend beheaded yesterday, but I'm, I'm, they making me wear this mask. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't sit the same. <laughs> now, all of us, we have Christianese, and, and what Christianese does is it translates our actual real-life stuff that happened into a polished testimony that we present to Christians. So how we would present the last year is, well, you know, God had us in a season where, you know, the church was kind of underground, but we made, it, we made it through that and polished. We came out on, better on top, and we're even going into a new building where we'll be able to do more and all these things, but we, never, we leave out the part that we kicked and screamed the whole way. We leave that part out. (laughs) 
we thought our American rights were under under siege and all this stuff and the Antichrist was just coming out because we got a new president too and all this in a year. When God just, just wanted to get our attention. Perspective. Perspective. Because I'm not going to look to my Asian brother across halfway around the world and be like, yo, bro, that's not real persecution. A persecution is a cotton piece of a cotton piece of garment on my face. Y'all laughing, but (laughs) that's the reality that we're in. And so I'm looking at this and I'm saying, when God made this decree to his people, did they just immediately obey? Did they immediately, you know, like how Anna Shulowski says, obey and don't delay. Did they just obey and not delay? Did they go straight to it? Because we have a way of, of glossing over some harsh realities to say, well, when God said that, we moved right into it. No. We sit there, talked about our faith leaders and if they really trusted God or if they didn't, if they trusted science or if science was evil and all these different things. That's the reality of what it looks like to follow God into the unknown. See, because if God would have said two years ago, hey, Pastor Alex, I'm about to prepare you to go into a wilderness season where people are going to literally your church will be divided on what's God and what's not. Would he still say yes? I'm not saying we answer for him. I'm saying it's applicable to all of us, and it's easy to elevate leaders and say, well, you should get it right 100% of the time, nine times out of nine, you should get it right. When all of us, if we would have looked at God, had a, had a timeout, huddle meeting with God in 2018, and he said, hey, in the next two years, you're really going to be shaken on these core values. How will you fare out? We probably would have all said, God, we'll pass that test with flying colors. But the truth is, y'all, we don't listen. We don't listen. And so God will call some things to interrupt our schedule to get us to what? Listen. Even if it's for our own good. Y'all know that resting is good? That meat tasted so much better when I let it rest. (laughs) Thank you, Michael. But we kick and scream going in the direction that God is just, it's something natural. (laughs) Rest is natural. Our system of how we do church and the world and just our entire society is totally just, we're just running fast pace. Boom, 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 boom. Go here, go there, go there. Go here, go there, go here, go there. We were so upset when they quarantined us for two months. People being like, I just don't know if I can be married to him anymore. (laughs) What? 60 days with the same person locked inside you. <laughs> it made you change your, 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 your love commitment. <laughs> Come on, y'all think about this. What could God be asking of his people right now? Why would he have gotten, why would he have stopped us? Why would he have stopped and said, hey, you need to break? Because I'm not buying that the church is under persecution when I see massive amounts of salvations happening around the world every day. I see his gospel going forth. Do you know that people who actually looked at this as opportunity, I'm an entrepreneur, so y'all know, like, I'm always looking for an opportunity. Vulo picks on me all the time. He's like, you you look for it, you'll shake a dollar out of anything. But I looked, (laughs) there's this concept, there's this concept that business people talk about, and if you listen to them, you will understand that we are familiar with the word no. 
And there's so many ways that I personally deal with the rejection word of no. Because <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't process that word no. I just say, okay, well, they're not. Okay, if it's not them, it's somebody else. Not them, somebody else. And if we're, if we're not careful, we'll find ourselves going down the exact same path and sitting here just kicking and screaming in the, in the wrong direction. Now, I want to pull this out. Because this isn't the first place. In Exodus, that's not the only place where we see this happen. In Leviticus uh, chapter 25, I want to go there as well to show another example of when God halts and says, hey, rest. Leviticus chapter 25, starting at verse 1, it says, For six years you shall sow your fields, and for six years you shall prune your vineyards and gather in the fruits. But in the seventh year, there shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest for the land. A Sabbath for the what? A Sabbath for the land, but a Sabbath to the. Wow. So God gets glory even out of rest. See, because some of us, (laughs) if you're kind of wired like me, you look at Sabbath as like, that's the time that people waste time. Can I be honest? I mean, like, that's, that's how I process the word. In an unhealthy space, that's how I process the word. I don't look at that as that's time dedicated for me and the Lord to do whatever me and the Lord's supposed to do. I look at it as, well, that's time that the lazy people love the word because they get to have an excuse for being lazy. The word Sabbath. But when it takes on a different meaning, whenever I see God calls his people, calls his land, causes everything to break, to stalls, to, to pause. Imagine this right here. Now, we're so narcissistic that we'll make this word about us in Romans where it says creation is, is, is what? Creation is groaning. Creation, it, they're waiting. Creation, all of creation is waiting for the sons of God to come into a full identity, right? That's creation. But in church, we'll make that about people. So we, we forget <laughs> that it's a word about creation. The kingdom of God, it addresses the entire cosmos. The kingdom of God addresses the entire creation. So listen what I'm saying. You can't sit here and be like, oh, well, God gave me dominion, and you're just thinking only people. Because guess what? Creation affects people as well. So you're praying for people, but you forget that God gave you dominion over the hurricane that is also in creation. Somebody will get that tomorrow. It's okay. But, but, but hear what I'm saying. Listen, Linda, listen, please. Leviticus, we sit here and see that God is calling his people, and he's not even calling just his people, but he's saying, hey, for this Sabbath that you're going to take, it's going to be a solemn rest for the land and a Sabbath to the Lord. So this is a form of worship. If you're taking notes, Sabbath is a form of worship worship sabbath is not you sitting there mindlessly laying somewhere hoping that you rejuvenate (laughs) no a sabbath is you stopping from your regular scheduled uh, activities and and inviting the lord into that moment to say how will we rest today or tomorrow or y'all he calls him to a sabbath for a year some of us trip out with a Sabbath over two hours. 
So I want you to grade yourself. You know, we, I've, I'll give you enough spiritual to, to grade yourself. On the last year, if God had called you and me, all of us, to a Sabbath this last year that we just lived, how did you do? Answer it honestly to yourself. <laughs> I probably did poorly. Why? Because I was waiting to get back to normal. I couldn't see a blessing of like, oh, okay, well, my regular scheduled programming could just come to a halt. Maybe you want me to get healthy mentally, physically, and emotionally. Maybe you want the church to hear you clearly. Maybe you actually saw that there was a political season that was coming where it would divide the church and there'd be voices of people, everybody saying to hear from God, but not saying the same thing. So maybe you were calling your people, a remnant of people, to actually be able to be in a position to actually hear God with clarity. Sounds a lot like the Lord to me. But grade our responses. Y'all go month to month. Month one, we're like, okay, well, it'll be three weeks. We had good attitudes month one. You know what I'm saying? A lot of innovation came out of month one. We didn't have online presence like that. We put up an online thing together. Everybody's together. Month two, Easter. Wow, Easter online. Okay, this is cool a little bit. Numbers start fading a little bit on, in, on online engagement. See, look, in, behind closed doors, y'all, this is what happens to church leadership. Sorry, I'm telling y'all's business, but this is what happens. Listen, for, it is my business. So, first month, we're doing good. Y'all loving us. We loving y'all. It's great. Round about month two and three. Starts to get a little shaky. Before the summer, y'all are ready to go on vacation. And we're like, okay, are they going on vacation from God, too? Like, because we got to find a way of how, to incur- of how to interact. Now, if we're sitting there looking at this as the last year should have been a start to a Sabbath season, then it would have been very clear and very easy for church leaders to feel like, okay, God called us into a Sabbath. But there was no word of the Lord <laughs> preceding the season to say, hey, this is a Sabbath. It's just life happened. And if we're not, if we're not careful, y'all, we will continue to allow life happen. You will allow life to happen in your life. And if you don't consult God first, you will be reactionary of the sources that are around you. So what does this look like for me? Well, I'm looking at other church leaders. I'm looking at how they're responding. I'm looking at what their game plan is. I'm looking at what, how they're talking to their people and blah, blah, blah. And how can we coalesce the same thing? And if I'm honest, me, I'm not talking about nobody else. If I'm honest, most of the unknown looked like seeing how other people were dealing with the unknown instead of embracing the unknown with God to say, God, regardless of what you say, this is what I'm going to do for my house, my business, my points of influence and contact. And what I'm telling you guys is I'd love to say that this season is going to be over tomorrow. But what if it's another year? What if it's another two years? What if it's another three years, four years, five years, whatever? That don't sound popular, but I want to to give you some encouragement. God kept his people even in that season. Even though he called them to this fast at year seven, by year nine, they were still, still benefiting off of the produce of year six. So <laughs> stop telling God how big your problem is. <laughs> Tell your problem how big your God is. 
I don't care if we're in this quarantine for another 27 years, as long as God is with me. And I'm, I'm going to eliminate the voices that do not breathe life. See, like, we got to look at this, y'all. The, the, the people of Israel, they, they weren't just, on, they weren't listening to Moses plus another one, plus another one, plus another one, plus another Twitter feed, plus another one. No, it's like, okay, what is the voice of God? What is the Lord saying? Let's streamline this to people that we actually trust to hear from God. And then let's actually go to God for ourselves. Because I'm just trying to prepare you as the church. Y'all, we don't know. We don't have answers. Yes, we'd love to tell you that with this vaccine, everything's going to be fine. That sells, right? But the truth is, no one knows. But what we do know is that God is a promise-keeping God. And that God's spirit has already gone before us. How many of you would say you prospered more in this quote-unquote pandemic than you probably had in a couple years previous as far as extra money, extra provision? Now, those stories are all over the place. What am I saying? The news would have you scared to boo-boo about your future and well the numbers and the cases and this and that but who holds your future and if he calls you to something he's gonna keep you if he calls you to it he will keep you in it he will never call you and say <laughs> good luck sucks to suck no <laughs> That's not the God we serve, y'all. He keeps his promises. So I don't know who it is specific as far as this time, but for the Sabbath, this was a rotating thing that was happening, not just daily, not just every seven days, but in some senses, every seven years, God would call his people back to a place to where they would have to trust him that they would not do any extra work in that year. But check this out. They were trusting that the provision of God was going to be enough, that it wasn't just for them. The Bible says that God calls them into the Sabbath so that the poor are fed, so that even the rodents... <laughs> are fed as well and so do you not think if God is caring about all these people that are outside of your purview he's not caring about you he's caring we can look at the story of Ruth and, and all the ladies love the story of Ruth oh I'm waiting for my bow ass honey I said az that was not the other word anyways so you want to make women happy at a women's conference? Just talk about Boaz. That brother is popular. Everybody waiting on him. Nobody waiting on no regular guys like Paul or Jacob or Jacoby or Trenton. Nah, everybody waiting on Boaz. Tell him, tell them when he comes in. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> stop, stop. <sighs> but listen to what I'm saying. There's something about the field where you're sowing. And I'm, I'm speaking to somebody. I don't know if you're disappointed at your job, life, your kids, whatever, your house. I don't know. Here's the part of the message where I'm speaking to you. We look at this story of Ruth and Boaz, and we see this incredible story first with Ruth and Naomi and how she was so honorable in this situation. But in this, in this, in this uh, season of serving, we see Ruth begin to serve in this field. And the serving and her heart towards God and how she loved her mother-in-law caught the attention of this brother named Boaz, right? Not his cousin Broke or Beecho. <laughs> no, none of those. 
I'm glad I'm glad y'all rocking with me today. You make me feel great today. Thank you. Thank you. But anyways, she's in this field and you got to understand in the Old Testament, there's this there's this um, this principle. And what it is is when you harvest the fields, you always leave something for the gleaners for the or you, you what they call is the sojourners so that they can glean the fields that you're harvesting. All right. Are you with me? Thank you. So. This is where we find Ruth. She's just serving. She's doing this. She catches the attention of Boaz. And Boaz now, find, she finds favor there. They end up getting married. And so her obedience in this one place of honor now sets her as where she's not only serving this field anymore. She's not only gleaning from the edges. She's now an owner in the center of it and is waiting. for. Now she's in a position to be a blessing to others. I'll reverse that for some of you who are right-brained-minded. You're like, I don't know what he just said. Y'all, she went from serving that same field to owning it and being a blessing to sojourners that just like she just was. What does this have applicable to 2021? Y'all, we can never be associated with anybody who's calling people who are as blessed as us losers or they're not working as hard or they're just, they're just lazy. We can never associate ourselves with that because who are we but for the grace of God? We would be the same exact sojourner hoping for a, a scrap at the table. I'm not done with Ruth yet. It gets better. Believe me, it does. We got to look at this from the standpoint of you look at lineage. So we go Boaz, then we got Obed, which was their son. Then you go on down to Jesse. Who is Jesse? Jesse is the father of David. I want to show you something that's significant about a field. Say a field, a field. Josh, if you want to come back to me, I feel my help coming on. Um, so there's something significant about this field. It is believed to be the exact same field where Ruth was gleaning, where she was serving, and she found the favor of Boaz. Now we see this field with a man named David, and he's got some sons, uh, a man named Jesse, and he's got some sons. Most significant is his littlest son, his youngest son named David. You wouldn't think anything of it, but David was found in a field worshiping God and tending to this. This is significant because it's the exact same field that happened years and years ago with Ruth. One person's obedience. Now another person encounters the same exact God at this point in this what? Field. I don't know what your field of work is. I don't know what your field of occupation is, but I'm going there is that there's something connected to where you are. If you can get a, if you can get a glimpse of what God is saying. I'm not done yet. It's still not even done with David. David, he has obedience, but anybody who studied David knows that we've now gone down and coalesced that at Christmas time, we talk about in Luke 2 that there was a baby was born in what? In a field, in a manger. And scholars, even in that time, right outside of the, out of Jerusalem, out of Bethlehem, believe that this is the same field where Jesus is born, that David used to also worship God in that same field, that his great great grandmother, Ruth, was also found there being obedient. The whole thing all works together. Together. Who five generations from now is waiting on your obedience to God today? In the same field. We don't talk about the importance of serving where you are enough. We talk about it like churches are just as dysfunctional as our families so if we don't like them we get a new one we get an ex-church just like we get an ex-spouse and we forget the whole point that there's something sacred about serving in a field that God tells you until he releases you actually God releases you we're not talking about being offended because that is the easiest way to say that you were released 
what if, what if Ruth would have said, no, I'm not going to serve Naomi like that. She's no longer my mother-in-law. My, my husband died. She, we know, I, I no longer have an obligation to her. I need to think about me. I need to think about mine. I need to think about number one, oh, me, oh, my. Like, I need to think about me. What if, what if Ruth would have said that? What if Ruth said, no, like, being around my mother-in-law, that's too much trauma there. I, I, I don't want to deal with that hurt. I don't want to deal with... I don't want to deal with serving when it doesn't look significant. I don't want to deal with serving when it doesn't look glamorous. See, it's easy for a lot of people to serve up here. It's easy for even people to serve with a mic in their hand. But the places in life that don't seem significant. That's where I was talking earlier as far as finding rest in restraint. Because some of you feel restrained. You feel like you're under restraint. God, what I want to do, I don't see. I don't even see a way towards it. I, don't, I know there were things you put in my heart, but I don't even see a path to it. How is it going to happen? And God's like, if you just serve me, if you serve me even when it doesn't look successful, even when it doesn't look good, if you serve me right there, there are things connected to you that you don't see. Do you understand that if Ruth, <laughs> if Ruth would have known... What is crazy about this situation is Ruth, does she know that eventually there's a Messiah that's going to come out of her lineage? No. She didn't know what the future held, but she had a commitment in her heart that she was going to do the thing that God put in her to do. Period. I'm so glad that her story doesn't end with Boaz. (laughs) And today, I don't know who's in a place of disappointment, but I'm here to tell you, disappointment doesn't win in your story. I'm so glad that you're connected to the lineage of Christ, because that means that through you, all the nations of the, oh, come on, Ephesians says this, he says, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through you, you and I. So it doesn't matter what God causes us, calls us to. It doesn't, matter what he, it doesn't matter if this quarantine doesn't end in a month. Y'all, I hope it does. But if it doesn't, hear me. Our attitude matters. Our attitude matters. We've got to get it in our heart right now. That God, we don't care where you send us. We will be the people of, that you've chosen. We will be this way. We'll respond this way. Let's stand together. I don't know who's attached to your, to your yes this morning. I don't know who's attached to your mindset, but I can tell you that if you could see them coming to Christ years from now, it would change the mindset that you have about your situation. Perspective always matters, y'all. When we focus on us, when we, when we blow ourselves up, when we blow our images, our, our imperfections up, we will always, always, always be discouraged every time. But when we start thinking about our kids and our kids' kids and our kids' kids' kids and, and one of them coming to an altar just like this right now because we said, God, I don't get why I feel the way I feel right now, but I know you haven't left me. And if you haven't left me, that's all it takes for me to be good. Because you're the only thing that's good.
what my perception of good is isn't you. If my perception of good is anything but God, I'm off and it's evil. It's manipulation from the enemy. But what is good is a perfect God meeting us exactly where we are to keep us where God says to stop and stay. He'll do that. And so I just want to encourage you there. I'm, I'm encouraging myself this morning in the same place. That, Lord, we're available to you. We're available to you, God. We're available. Your church is available to you, God. We say yes to you. God, we don't know how long this season is, God, but we, we, we thank you that attitude matters. We thank you that you can correct our mindset. We thank you, God, that you can lift us above, God. You can give us a praise, God, while we're in despair. We thank you, God, that you lift our heads. We thank you, God, that you even lift our hearts. We thank you that you feel everything that we feel, God, and you heal all those things that we can feel. God, I thank you right now, God, that in this room, there are stories of restoration waiting to be spoken. I thank you, God, that in this room, there's stories of healing waiting to be spoken. I thank you, God, that there's stories of marriages being restored in this room, God. I thank you, God, because you're here. And with you, all things are possible. We just say that. Say all things. All things. All things are possible. Amen. Just want to say real quickly a couple of things that are on my heart this morning. First of all, when I'm not faithful to God, he's still faithful to me. That's, you, need, you need to hear that. You sang earlier, Ashley, you said it's the blood. It's the cross. It's, it's that place. It's that finished work of the cross. And the invitation is, is back to the healing place of the cross. God never left you. He's never been unfaithful. We leave him. We leave him. We leave him with our thoughts, with our actions, with our attitudes. We leave him. And the invitation today is, are you coming back? He's inviting you back. He's saying there's a place of healing. There's, there's, there's something that you can get your arms around, your hands around, that it's the mercy of God and the faithfulness of your God. And one of the things that I don't want to leave this morning is I'm standing here, I'm just like, we can't leave. We can't leave until we recognize the, 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 the truth that God has your solution. He's got your answer. He knows the way. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And so, Father, this morning, if you would just hold whatever it is in your heart, if you know what it is, you know where you've drifted. If you'll just hold that to the Lord and say, Lord, I want to come back home. I want to come back to you. I want to follow you. I want to, I want to walk with you. You didn't forsake me. I forsook you. Purify our hearts. Purify our hearts, God. Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. 
For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co. 